gentlemen, you are more than welcome to this uh, episode one of season three of the Coffee to Level Show brought to you by Wigwam Mastermind Coaching. Delighted that you've chosen to join us and thank you for being here. And in particular, I'd like to welcome our very special guest this morning, Mr. James Finnegan, all the way from the kingdom and in Tralee. James, please pop in, say hi, show us your coffee mug. Good morning, all. Happy New Year. If we can still say that at this stage. And I think Eamon's part should have gone on a lot longer. Uh, I think Eamon would have liked that too, but hey, we've got a show to run. Come here. It's wonderful. Uh, it's lovely to have you all here, and uh, thank you indeed for joining us. This is really exceptional. Cathy Murray, you're more than welcome back from New Hampshire. Great to see you here. Early, the early bird in New Hampshire. And I think we have Geneva in the room. So, yeah, we have Geneva in the room. And we've even got the pretend capital in the room. Yes, Seamus there waving away, looking for attention. Looking for attention. So let me just tell you about James Finnegan. As I said in uh, my preamble yesterday on uh, social media, everyone's favorite granddad. Uh, James Finnegan is his name. I asked, what's your business do? He says, jack of all trades, master of one or two. And I really like that. I really love that, like that because most will say master of none. So this man is backing himself. How long established? Wait to hear this. Going since 1959 and still trying to establish myself. Uh, how many employees? Three, he says, me, myself, and I. Um, he goes on to say that James uh, is a husband, father, and grandfather. He spent the first 30 years grow, growing up in London, and I presume then the last 50 here, uh, working in the bank and living over the pub. His parents ran in Hammersmith, a.k.a. the University of Life. Love that. He was uh, involved in choirs and soccer. He married Kathleen in 1989 and on a whim moved to Kerry. Uh, he worked for Tralee Golf Club, the Football Association of Ireland, UEFA, until a relatively minor accident had life-changing consequences. Want to pick at that one if you don't mind. And uh, he is now retired, indulging himself with writing. And by the way, we've all experienced his writing. It's beautiful. Performing, we've experienced that. It's beautiful too. And community activism. And uh, wait to hear this. This is wonderful, right? Uh, something nobody knows about you, except for, except for Seamus O'Donovan. My distant cousin has just been sworn in as the 46th U.S. President of the United States of America. And if that's not enough, ladies and gentlemen, if that's not enough, I have sung for three popes. There you go. Kickstart the year, why don't you? Indeed. Thank you. Thank you for that, ladies and gentlemen. That is the Bula Bus. That is the, uh, how we clap in Zoom land here on the Coffee 11 show. James Finnegan, a great pleasure having met you in 2020 through COVID and through the Coffee 11 show. And it's wonderful and delightful to have you here as the very first guest of season three. So, as I always say to people, we can Google the business, but in your case, we can't, right? So we want you to take us all the way back, if you don't mind, all the way back to uh, little Jimmy Finnegan in Hammersmith and take us up through the years. Thanks. Thank you, Colin. Thank you for the invitation and the welcome. Uh, I'm sure there were far more interesting people out there, but I, I do have the quality of being cheap and available. Um, uh, cheap? What do you mean cheap? It's no fee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was born in 1959 in Islington, with just within the sound of Bow Bells. So um, I am actually a Cockney, a legal Cockney. Um, the first seven years... Of, of my life, Mum Maureen Finnig, Maureen McGuinn from Ballymote in County Sligo, and my father was James, better known as Jimmy Finnegan from RD in County Louth. We lived in a council, a one-bedroom council flat. My parents, myself, and my two sisters at that time, and we lived in Hoburn. So, and Dad worked in the White Horse Pub, which was next door to the Daily Mirror building. So uh, I was always surrounded by history, by, by uh, writing, and interesting characters. Uh, for example, in, in the pub that Dad worked in, he would have looked after Brendan Behan. He would have, uh, he would have met uh, Albert Pierpoint, who was the last hangman in, in England who ironically then went on to own a pub and he had a big sign behind the counter saying no hanging around the bar. But uh, that was my first seven years. And then mum and dad 
uh, they took up the managership of a pub in Hammersmith called the White Hart. So we went from a one-bedroom council flat to a three-story historical building. So I had my own room all of a sudden. And to be honest, I had the greatest childhood ever because we lived over a pub that was open for 365 days of the year. They had half a day off on Christmas, and I'll come back to that in a, in a moment. Uh, I, was, I went to the Cardinal Vaughan Memorial School in Kensington, and I had already had experience in choirs, but for, for this, uh, this school was very big into choirs. And that was my first experience of major choral works and travels abroad. Uh, the school took me to Austria, which was my first visit to Salzburg, to, the, to America. We had choir trips all around, all around Europe. Um, the first time... Uh, one of the choirs, we sang in a place called Loreto, but on the way we stopped off in Rome, and that's where I sang for the first Pope in the papal audience chamber. Uh, that was Pope, Pope Paul, and he was carried in on the chair, and that, if you remember the famous uh, clip years later of Jack Charlton and the Irish World Club squad in that arena, well, that's where we were, so that's always kind of fun. The pub, the White Hart was interesting. At that time, you had a saloon bar and a public bar. And the saloon bar were the writers and the actors and the uh, managers and the company directors. And when I say actors, I'm talking about the likes of Vanessa Redgrave and Peter Bowles and a wonderful Irish actor called Patrick McGee, who is not really remembered as he should be. But he was one of Samuel Beckett's muses. Samuel Beckett picked him for all these shows. Uh, he also worked with, um, I remember his last, I, I spoke to him and I said, you know, how do you get involved in acting? And he said, don't. Because this wonderful, talented man didn't work half as often as he should have done. And I remember the last time I spoke to him, he said he'd just come back from doing, and he had a very distinctive voice, which I will fail miserably in replicating, but let me try. Yeah. I've just done a bloody stupid film, one bloody line. In my day, it was King first and God second. And about 18 months later, I, was in I went in to see Chariots of Fire. And if you remember, that was the story of um, uh, the Olympic runner, uh, Harold Abrahams and Eric, I can't remember the second name, but Harold Abrahams didn't want to run on the Sabbath. And he was called in in front of the Olympic committee and was told that it was his duty to ring because in his day, it was king first and God second. And the poor man had, was, was on his way out at that time. And I thought, isn't it just wonderful? He also was in The Clockwork Orange. He was on, in these quirky films and the sort of films you see late at night. And James, James, let me come in on this because it's, it's fascinating stuff and you've got this really alluring voice, which I think uh, it plays very well to who you are and you play it very well. Um, and, I, you know, I, w I was certainly in that saloon bar with you listening to those characters. I'm sure the rest of the people here were too. Is that where you got your first love of performance? I, I'd always had a, a, a love of performance, though I didn't realise it. Uh, I was very lucky that where we lived in Islington, the Doily Cart Company uh, had a temporary home. And my mother, bless her heart, brought me along. And I, I think it was Pinafore that I saw. I remember, I remember being taken to the Dominion Theatre in Tottenham Court Road to see my first film, which was The Sound of Music. And the choirs are, choirs are all performances. So I'm a pure ham. I mean, I, I will open the fridge and do, do a quick three-minute spot while I'm looking for the milk. 
so the and plus the fact when when you when you run a bar there's an element of performance in that too because most of us are married or we're with someone and when you live above the house and then you work uh, in the bar mom and dad were together 24 hours a day seven days a week so there came to be a certain time when you had to put on a show down in public yeah i i i get that entirely uh, having cut my teeth in uh, hospitality I remember worked with this guy who, who ended up working in the UK for many, many years. But uh, when we started out first, we were all young fellows. And uh, he said to me one day, he says, I met this girl last night. And I said, oh, yeah. And he, she says to me, what do you do? His name was Declan. She says, what do you do, Declan? And he says, I'm an actor. Right. Uh, but his point was that, you know, in hospitality, we turn up and we slap on the smile and we get out and do the very best we can. doesn't matter what's going on behind the scenes or in our personal lives. So, so I get it. And uh, really, really well tied together. Um, Mam and Dad, did they, did they meet in the UK? Did they meet in Ireland and move over? Uh, no, they, the, the story is that the two of them arrived in London and on their first weekend in London met at a church dance. And a year later, hello. <laughs> you know, the... <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it. Uh, I, I love that the story is... They met. We're going with that. The story is they met at a church dance. Um, t- tell us then, how did you end up uh, 50 years ago coming to Ireland and living in, in uh, Tralee? Well, strangely enough, and it came up so often in the previous seasons, the serendipity of the moment. As I said, I went to school in Cardinal Vaughan. And um, on my first day in, in big school, as you'd call it here, I went into a classroom and there was a seat to the left and there was a seat to the right. And I sat down in the right next to a young fella called Dennis McCrone. Dennis, Dennis had, um, he was a single child, but he had one aim in life. He wanted to be a specific type of engineer that was only used down in the British Antarctic Survey. And his whole life was dedicated to that moment. And bear with me for a moment, and I apologize if anyone has eaten their breakfast already, because this is, this is some stomach churning. But for years, he worked very hard to be this very select group to be picked to work in the British Antarctic Survey. And in 1982, he was sailing down, and the Argentinians decided to invade the Falkland Islands. So he literally arrived in the British Antarctic Survey to be told to get back on the boat. They were evacuating. He came back to London and uh, he rang me. He said, I'm back. I'm, I'm going to get married. And I said, that's great, Dennis. Who, who too? He says, oh, I haven't met her yet. So I said, well, that's great, Dennis. You know, let me know, and I'll, of course I'll, I'll, I'll be delighted to be there. Well, a very short time later, he rang me. He said, I've met her. We're getting married. Will you be best man? And I said, well, that's very quick, but certainly, yes, I'd love to. And as you know, uh, the Irish tradition of uh, weddings, the best man gets to decorate the going-away vehicle. So I was going around one side with the shaving cream, the cans and the dead fish. And as I got to the other side, I met this young one with the shaving cream and another dead fish. And that was Kathleen, my future wife. That's, uh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. That is a great story. And the rest, as they say, is history. And here we are today. We haven't met the lovely Kathleen yet. Will she make a, a guest appearance today, do you think? She, she, she was going, I, I had dragged her in and she is totally hates performances, hates appearance on, on, and I had her primed. And as she said, thank God, she's a nurse, you see, she was called in this morning. I'd say she wasn't, <laughs> I'd say she wasn't called in at all. I'd say that was fake. I'd say Tim Kelly made that call. <laughs> I'd say that well, was- if I told that Tim Kelly would be here and he was wearing that jacket, she would have definitely have come in. 
<laughs> really well said. Really well said. Come here. <laughs> tell us a little more about the accident, if you don't mind, because there was something we, we, we know each other a year or thereabouts now, but there was something I, I that slipped slipped through the net. Well, um, I was working for the for the FAI. I was the national coordinator for referee development. And I, I see a, a great colleague of mine, Brian McCarthy, who's who's uh, dialing in from Australia. He was, for many years, he was the video analysis uh, maestro for the FAI. He was doing video analysis before it even became known as video analysis. But um, I was working for the FAI. I was also helping UEFA in referee education, training, and development. And to give you an idea just how dated it is, we used to meet in, in Lyon at UEFA headquarters, which meant getting a flight from uh, 5 o'clock in the morning from Dublin to Frankfurt, from Frankfurt to Geneva, meet for three hours, and fly back, usually Geneva to Paris and Paris to Dublin. In the in the one in the one day, we won't be doing that for a while, will we? <laughs> but on the last leg, and I was tired, and as as you would have read in the papers, things in the FAI back then were not. It wasn't the happiest of atmospheres. But I was tired. I was miserable. I was missing Amy's my granddaughter's first birthday. And as I was getting off the plane in uh, Paris, whether I slipped, whether I fell, but I ruptured my Achilles tendon. I didn't know that at the time, but uh, the only thing that was in my mind is that I had to get to the other side of Charles de Gaulle Airport to get the flight to, to Dublin. Now, fortunately... UEFA always used to book us business class. So the person you really need to feel sorry for was the poor unfortunate that had to wheel me to the Dublin flight. So literally, I was in all those nice little carts and push chairs and, and wheelchairs, and I got on the flight. I came home. Um, I got in the car the next morning to go to work and realized that my leg wasn't working at all. and decided to... to drive to Kerry straight home and I found out that in Kerry General in about two minutes that my Achilles had been ruptured so I was taken straight into an op uh, to the operating theatre and worked on and repaired but all I can say is that anything that could possibly have gone wrong went wrong you know, over the next couple of years so for a long time I was bed bound uh, I was wheelchair-bound. Uh, I had every contraption known to man put onto me that was positively, definitely going to work and didn't. I went from Trilly General to Cork University Hospital back to the Bonds Hospital in, in Trilly. The tricky bit was um, I developed uh, aneurysms on my heart and lungs. And... Uh, Again, one of those situations where you turn left or right. Uh, one night is as though someone had just turned the power off and I just lost. I couldn't walk. I couldn't move. So a typical man, I went to bed and thought it would be better in the morning. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> but uh, So uh, Kathleen said, we better go to the hospital. Instead of turning right for the general and the accident and emergency, she turned left for the bonds. And according to the surgeon there, I came within 20 seconds of egging out. Wow, 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 wow. So, uh, well, look, come here. Kathleen gets our bula bus for saving the day yet again. And I, I introduced her earlier by saying we've, we haven't met the, the lovely Kathleen, but perhaps it's the long-suffering Kathleen I should have alluded to. Uh, but our, 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 as well. We've taken you into our heart here, James. So by extension, we've taken her in. And having heard that story, I think she might have even pipped you at the post, my friend. Listen, <laughs> uh, it's a, a wonderful story, uh, full of intrigue. I love the every, everywhere you turn, it's left or right. And there's, uh, 
you know, there's something's going to happen one way or the other. Just to go back to a couple of things. A couple of things intrigue me about you on behalf of the audience. I, I get to ask the questions, which is great. Um, there's soccer in there. There's refereeing in there. There's angelic choir singing in there. There's acting in there in a movie and all the rest of it. Tie all those together. I don't see the threat. There isn't one. And, 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 that's, and, and that's always been the way I've been. I've, I've, worked with, I've worked with the best of people, really great people. And I've worked in marvellous organisations. And it's been the people and organisations that have kept me sane. But I could never just concentrate on one tunnel vision aim. And I always feel you're missing out so much if you have that kind of tunnel vision. You, um, you miss the interesting things just here to the, to the side. And even, even this, I mean, as you might remember, Colin, I, I followed Pat Falvey, who was one of your, your guests in season one, out of curiosity. James, you gate crashed. Let's just call a spade a spade. You gate crashed. Well, yeah. <laughs> and and, and it's, been our, it's been our pleasure ever since. Back to you. <laughs> well, so I've always been, I, I, I get, I suppose I get bored easily. And I try and do different things. And I'm looking at the people who have come in now and they're people I perform with on stage. They're fellow Toastmasters that have, that have come in. There's been a recent uh, diversion. And I like to do lots of different things, usually at the same time. And I know that's totally against all the modern management. You know, you have to focus on one thing and, and have an aim and have goal. But you can have multiple aims and multiple goals. And my experience is, is that the fun is not in the, in, the, in the destination, but it truly is in the journey. And the people you meet and the experiences you have and the travel you do. Uh, and that's, and again, that, that comes back to the, to the pub because the bit I didn't mention, that was the saloon bar I mentioned. I didn't mention the public bar, which would be full of what we now colourfully call the diaspora. The poor, the lads who couldn't or wouldn't go back to Ireland. The lads who uh, shared a, a room with 10 mattresses. The people that mum and dad would help because they were an unofficial branch of the social services. And these were, because my mum and dad arrived in London, that was back in the time of the no dogs, no blacks, no Irish. And they always tried to help and support those people who had come over. Our, our Christmas day, for example, around our table, there'd be at least 10 of these single lads who had nowhere else to go. So, uh, you have, in that bar, you have a myriad of experiences from literally Oscar winners to the guy who's digging up the road outside. Wow. And each, and each and every one of them was treated exactly the same, with the same respect and the same, same dignity and the same um, concern. And do, do you know what? It rubbed off on you, James. Uh, there's a phrase that I've often heard used, and I think it's very true for you, a heart as big as Ireland's. Sounds to me like your mum and dad had hearts as big as Ireland, and uh, you've you've inherited that in spades. So, so Bulabos, you and uh, and your family, you're from good stock, my friend. Um, the, the choirs and the acting. Tell us about that that movie that you starred in. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, starring in is perhaps a tad of an exaggeration, but I done a, I just done a stage version of the producers which is that wonderful Mel Brooks comedy. And I, I played Max Bialystok, and I loved it, because it was all about me. <laughs> but I, I literally finished that, and um, there was a, a small ad in the paper saying that they were doing auditions for a film that was to be filmed in Kerry. Now, if you think back, the films that happened in Kerry at that time were Ryan's Daughter, which was a long time ago, Far and Away, which was a little a little nearer. But there was this film, and I thought, I've never done a film audition. That would be interesting. So, as is my wont, I arrived early. I met the lady. 
I knew the venue, so I helped her set up. I got the chairs and tables and sat, sat her down and got her a cup of tea. And she handed me the the um, the script. Well, if I could tell you that it was graphic, I mean graphic in 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 all its wonders. But I thought I'm here now. I might as well read the part. And I had a go. And of course, I need I need a lot of you know a lot of time. So I just started um, making it up as I went along. So at the end, I handed it back. I said, thank you so much for your time. That was really interesting. There's not a way on God's earth that I could do anything in that script. But it was a great experience. Thank you very much. Uh, a few weeks later, I got a, a phone call, allegedly from the, the uh, production company, saying that I'd been cast and could I go down to Park Nasilla for a costume fitting. And I said, and I thought, you know, this is someone having me on. So I said, could I have a letter, please? Because ironically, I was supposed to do jury service at the same week. So I got my letter and it looked it looked kosher. So we went down to Park Nasilla, which is a beautiful part of the world. And I walked in expecting to be told. Uh, but I was fitted out by a lovely, a lovely lady, Cassandra, who a uh, very experienced costume designer because... I'm not someone who can go into a shop and buy a suit. You know, there's an awful lot of alteration needed. <laughs> but anyhow, it, it was true. And she said, right, and I got the thing, and yes, you've been cast and come down on Monday. So I then went home for the weekend and studied everything I could find about how to be an extra on a film. And the, word, the, the phrase that kept coming up was, under no circumstances engage with the stars. So I had that down to Pat. So I arrived down in Park Nasilla. I was supposed to be down there, I think, for 11 o'clock. So I was down there for nine. And I was sitting in the hotel there, and Olivia Coleman came in. Now, there was two things I could do. I could follow the script, keep my head down, say nothing. Or, guess what? I could get up and say... Hello, Olivia. You're very welcome to Kerry. It's lovely to meet you. <laughs> and she and she went off and did her thing. And then they said, "Will you get? Uh, we'll drop you off to the to the ven to the venue now, James." So I was driven to the venue, um, and I walked into the room. And there's Colin Farrell, and Ben Winslow, and Colin Farrell got up and came over and said, "Hello, my name's Colin," and I suavely sophisticated said blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, so that was my first day on a film called the lobster oh, now yeah. if you like a quirky film you will either love it or you'll hate it which is wonderful but it's a black comedy and the premise is basically uh, if you're not married by the time you're 40, you get sent to this place and you um, get, if you don't find a partner there, you get changed into an animal of your choice. Happens all the time down here in Kerry. I was just, I was just thinking it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Where did Colin Farrell not get the memo? Do not interact with the, with the extras. Did he not? I mean, that's just shocking. That's terribly unprofessional. It's just come here. That's what we're dealing with, lads. That's what we're dealing with. Listen, um, a couple of things have just come out for me. We, I, I want you to tell us in 60 seconds about the other two uh, popes in just a second. But um, uh, people, you keep mentioning people, right? And I'm absolutely intrigued, not at all surprised, but intrigued to realize that you've remembered the person who fitted you for your costume. Costume name was Cassandra. And that just, in my world, speaks volumes about the man sitting in front of us, ladies and gentlemen, because he's interested. He's interested in people. And it just comes across uh, James Finnegan. So I'd like to offer you a bull bus on behalf of all of us here in the cafe because you made our season one and indeed season two of the Coffee 11 show very special by being here uh, all of the time and, uh, and interacting. So thank you for that. And we love you for it. Uh, the, 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 the two popes, and then we're going to touch on COVID and, and, and your, your role in life as grandfather. Right. Second time I sang for the Pope was in 81. 
again another choir trip and this time right into the Rome on the steps outside uh, the Wednesday audience now I don't know how many people are at that but it's packed and all you can see is a sea of people the whole way and that was Pope John Paul who was charismatic and it scared the hell out of me because this this was like the beetle this was mob total ecstasy in the mob and it put the fear of God into me literally but the wonderful thing was I got to see behind the scenes of the Vatican and do you know we all have that room that we throw stuff into that we'll get to or a shed that we throw stuff into well in the Vatican they have a place like that too and you go into it and it's full of Michelangelo art and paintings and statues and wonderful and it's all just kind of we'll get to that in a few minutes kind of thing so, um, again, the Falkland Islands, um, that Pope was making the first ever visit to, to England, the first ever visit of a Pope to England, visiting the Queen of Buckingham Palace, um, a service in Westminster Cathedral and a mass at Wembley Stadium. So because I had connections with four of the choirs that were involved in the, those events, I ended up going to Westminster Cathedral, ended up been on the gates of Buckingham Palace when the Pope comes in. And then a year year later, uh, I suddenly got these these papal commendations coming through, which was very fascinating. Now, let let me say straight away, I am not terribly religious. I'm the the fellow that questions. I'm the fellow that asks why. Because born in London, I could go left or right and be Catholic or Protestant, or Jewish, or Episcopalian, or maybe even a Mooney. Now, I'm not an intelligent man. I don't know what religion God is. But one day I'll find out. The th- now, when I, when I came to Kerry, I thought all those days were behind me. I was very lucky. I sang, for, I sang for popes. I sang for royalty. I sang for the queen. There was an, I sang everywhere, and I thought those days were behind me. And then I came over here and joined the Sheem Satira National Folk Theatre Choir, which had just founded. And within a couple of years, we sang at the state commemoration in Banner Beach for uh, 1916. We sang for um, Pope Francis when he came to Croke Park. So obviously I was only doing the big stadium gigs at that stage. And then we had a visit from Prince Charles. So everything that I'd done in London, I'd done here. Only this time, thankfully, they came to me as opposed to me going to them. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. Uh, I love that. I don't know what religion God is. I really love that. Uh, but I also believe it to be true, by the way, for what it's worth, uh, without dragging us into a, a, an argument here amongst the cafe uh, audience. Um, but, you know, I always say that I'm, I'm Catholic. Be- Why am I Catholic? Because I was born in Dublin in 1963 to two Catholic parents. Let's be honest. And had I been born in Baghdad in 1963, the likelihood of me being Catholic would be slim. Or if I was born in Beijing, so for I just put it out there for us all to consider that religion, as opposed to spirituality, mm-hmm. is largely first based on geography, and thereafter I choose, by the way, to be Christian. That's my that's my 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 fa- my faith of choice, um, but. I, I agree with what James Finnegan said. What religion is God? God is God. God is God, and we, we search for him or it, higher power, in our own ways. So, uh, Bula Bus, James Finnegan, thank you for that. Uh, granddad, James Finnegan, tell us about Granddad, James. I've rarely seen a granddad as granddad as you. Um, well, we, uh, Kathleen and I were blessed with two wonderful children, Joanne and Daniel. Uh, or Dan, as he's called around these parts. Dan is 26 today. So, happy birthday, Dan. But Joanne and Brian, her, her husband, had two, one, have two wonderful kids, Amy and Ava. Amy is nine, going on 40. And Ava is three and a half. I probably got that wrong. And she has... a. They both have us well-trained. They both have us wrapped around their finger. And it is it is my greatest joy to spend time with them. Um, 
I remember when, um, unfortunately, dad, when mum and dad retired, dad died very suddenly. But I remember mum, and they had such plans what they were going to do with the grandchildren, who were Joanne and Daniel. And they were very, uh, mum particularly, the kid, those grandchildren could do no wrong. They could burn the house down. And mum would be there saying, look how evenly that house is burning down. Aren't they wonderful? And I never understood it. But I understand it now. <laughs> and um, I'm in this curious, I was in this curious spot where I was the middle generation. There was mum. And I remember my grandparents. And below it, there's Joanne and Daniel and their children. So now the greatest blessing I had following my accident, and by the way, I never even got going on the heart attack, that um, I have time. And even in these difficult times, uh, the worst time in the first lockdown was when we couldn't see each other. And one time they brought the kids to the window. And I said, never do that again, because they couldn't understand. And I was in pieces afterwards. So when the lockdown was lifted, uh, Kathleen, being the nurse, and Joanne, being a nurse, said, now, listen, you're not, there's going to be no contact whatsoever. You know, they're going to be two feet apart, and you're going to tell them. So, yep, yep, yep. I said, by the way, I said, who's most at risk? them or me? And she said, you, because I tick all the boxes. So I said, that's fine. So of course, when the door opened, the two kids came in, the two of them came running up into my arms. And <laughs> I said to hell with it. Yeah, yeah. And that was it. Just beautiful. Truly beautiful. Truly beautiful. And James Finnegan to the core. Absolutely gorgeous, James. James, you're a great guy. It really is one of uh, my joys. I think I'm speaking on behalf of all of us here in the cafe today, and particularly the, the complicated team, as we've now become known, according to Shelley. <laughs> um, I, I, I just think it's been one of our joys and our blessings to have met you uh, because of this crazy virus that's uh, rampant around the world. Um, two, two last things, then we're going to open it to the floor, to, to your fan base. Uh, <laughs> we're, two, two things, right? Um, one is... What are you taking with you from COVID? That's a brilliant question. Without in any way degrading the experiences of those who are sick and those who have passed and those left behind, what I've learned from COVID is a couple of things. One is that anything is possible. All those things that could never be changed that can't be amended, that can't be uh, developed, suddenly could be. And we had time. We had time to stop. You had an idea of what my life was like before. But now everybody had to slow down. And look at what I've got out of it. I've met this group. I've met Raymond and the Tangible Group. I've, I've visited places all around the world. I've gone to the White House. I've gone, I've gone to, the, to the, at, at, um, the South Antarctic. I've gone to Toastmaster meetings all around the world now. And I see I have some fellow Toastmasters in with me today. So that's, that's my confirmation, what I always believed before, that anything is possible. And to use that fancy word, you just have to pivot that right way. I love it. So that's what you're taking with you from COVID. You're not going to let go of the fact that anything is possible into the yeah. future. Beautiful. Thank you, James. And then the last question before we open it to your fan base is what one tip would you give anybody? Because we've all, I think, struggled at some point through COVID. All of us at some point have had low moments. What's your one tip for anybody who has hit that and may hit it again? Uh, I think family is all important. Friends is all important. Uh, keep yourself busy. Be it reading, be it writing. Um, I've developed, there's always a new project coming. There's always something different coming. 
and always say yes. That's what I. That's what I'd say. That's the big thing. Always say yes. Worry about the technicalities and how you're going to do it later, but always say yes. That's wonderful. Always say yes. The answer is yes. What's the question? The answer is yes. What's the question? I love it. James Finnegan, an absolute joy, pleasure knowing you and meeting and chatting with you uh, this morning on the Coffee at 11 show. Ladies and gentlemen, who would like to come in and wish this man well, ask him a question, say something nice? Dikyo, great to see you. Um, thank you. Um, I just wanted to say, James, I um, self-elected myself to president of your fan club a long time ago. And um, I, I love how posh you are. Like, I just love it. Like, I just love it. I just love it. And then I love that uh, beneath that poshness and within that, and, and, I, and I am a Jess, is the kindest human being the kindest so when you asked what the tread was i was trying to get it in and i was pressing the wrong buttons because technically i'm challenged at times so but i i always i when i see james's face i feel okay and um and i mean that james and james brought me to you and i james teaches differently than me I'd be baiting you into the water to drink it to tell you how good it is. James sends out a pebble and he trusts the ripple. And um, he just kind of told me about this uh, Coffee at 11 because I know the date. I met it on the 18th. I know who was on. Um, and I know the next day Janie is. I could do it. My my life changed. And um, but, but, but I do want to say, uh, you have this beautiful gift. And, and I'm so delighted, Colm, you picked it up because it's very rare. And you remind, remembering names is remembering attention. And there's no other, um, I don't think there's anything else, because you, when you meet someone, you meet someone. That's why you have the detail. Do you know, it, it's, it's just gorgeous. So um, uh, I'm really doing your eulogy, James. But anyway, yeah. he's gorgeous. I just love him. Ah, I'm delighted. That's, uh, I couldn't have asked for better, DQ, and thank you for that. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, put the date in your diary, the 12th of February, DQ is sitting in the hot seat here on the Coffee 11 show. So looking forward to that. TEDx speaker, extraordinaire, multi-talented individual, and she's coming in to, to grace us on the 12th of February. So looking forward to that one immensely. Right, I'm going to hand it over to, uh, thanks for that, D. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to Princess Shelley for apparently some people's favourite part of the show. From here, we can't argue with that, can we? <laughs> um, some lovely comments, James. Some really lovely comments, a lovely vibe in the cafe. Um, Katrina popped in first. Katrina, our editor-in-chief, said she was born in Islington too, but she lost the accent. So that was your first comment. Small world, hey? Very small. So loads and loads. Uh, you know, there's some guests, James, that stand out as when I look through the comments, I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to miss some. There's so much love in the cafe for you. So many lovely comments. I'm so sorry to all our lovely people who are here enjoying the chat if I do miss out on some of those. Um, DQO, who we just heard from, said, you've lived 10 lives, James. You remind me of Anthony Hopkins. Beautiful diction. Not, not the Hannibal Lecter part. And P.S., she loves the name-dropping that you've been doing as well. So uh, do you take that as a compliment, James, the Anthony Hopkins link? Absolutely. Wouldn't that, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it just? So, no Again, previous guest, Joe, lovely to have you here, Noel. And she said, Patrick McGee, a powerful performer, enigmatic. And you'd mentioned him earlier on about being in your parents' bar, you know. Um, so um, that was a great comment from you, Noel. Harriet, again, thanks for being here, Harriet. She wondered if Dennis, your friend, had stayed, remained with his wife because he had made the choice to get married before he, um, he even met his wife. Are they still together, James? Unfortunately, Dennis passed away. Uh, a few oh, years ago. Um, oh, but the fact sad. that he was Kathleen's cousin means we, you know, we, can never, we can never forget the role he had in bringing us together. And Susan is a wonderful mother of three grown-up girls at this stage. Uh, yeah, there we are. 
So that was Life. nice that you shared his story with us today and you brought him to the cafe. I'm sure that's lovely that you brought his energy here and thank you for sharing his story. Noel, when you went moved on to talk about your 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 ligament, your not your ligament, your um that injury that you had and then the, the the hashtag that followed, I was watching everybody's eyes in the cafe and we were all holding on to our seats and we were with you and so delighted that your wife brought you in safety and you got sorted again it was it, it sounded like it was a close call and Noel said so sorry to hear that James you're here for a special purpose the show still goes on thanks God and thank to Kathleen so um, great comment Noel love sharing that thank you very much and then she went on to say beautiful collisions no coincidences we're all colliding beautiful at the right time in the right place and um, that's when Eamon said divine timing so we were talking about your that you, you, you don't subscribe to a thread or are a common a common goal it's just a case of all these wonderful stories all intertwining and, and, and there seems to be great I see all the nodding heads great love for that and your approach and attitude to that um, Harriet said you've got great grace and humility Noel said absolute empathy compassion and integrity DKO is putting you forward for Lord Mayor of Kerry see all this love all this just so much love for, for you James you know um, Noel, I think, has seen um, the the lobster. I think, and she said, "Was that the name of the film, James? It was." Um, she said, "It's a great and serene fi- fi- film. How lucky they were!" And then Tim looked up. Of course, our techno savvy Tim. You're actually on IMDb now. I'm sure most of us in the in the cafe are familiar with it. That's the internet movie database that all the big celebrities are on, and James is there. And I had a little. Once Tim said you were on an IMDb, and it says it says James Finnegan is a known actor for The Lobster in 2015. So I was like, oh, we know we know him. So uh, so yeah, do have a little look at that. And then Eamon has popped all the links in um, your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, and all those things. So if anyone's not linked up with James already, um, ha- having such a wonderful profile in our cafe, do click on those links, copy and paste them, and you can. Um, you can connect with James there. Harriet says you're some storyteller and Noel is calling you a great ambassador. So, um, so all that. So much love and so many lovely, lovely comments for you. Harriet says you've been a real light for us throughout COVID. And Kathy as well, who's joining us very early in the morning in New Hampshire in the United States. And Kathy actually became a grandmother, ladies and gentlemen, on, this, on, on one of the days of the Coffee at 11 show. I think it was series one because I remember Kathy came in and I became a grandmother early this morning. And we were also, I think it was a grandson, Kathy, wasn't it? A little boy. And yes, indeed. And she, I could see when you were talking about the love of being a grandparent. And we all laughed as well when you said about if the house was burnt down, they'd say, well, isn't it burnt down so evenly? We, you had us all laughing. And uh, Kathy is now relating to correct parent is greatest joy in life so I could and I could see Seamus nodding and all the love about being a grandparent there so uh, thanks for sharing that and lots of agreement so lots lots more comments I won't get to them all Harriet says build your plane in the air and um, she likes that Dee is a self-elected president of your fan club um, so uh, you are James you are a gift of the good father so uh so lots and lots of love. I, I know if I was in your shoes right now, James, I'd really look forward to reading the thread because um, as so many people have alluded today, it's always such a pleasure to have you in the cafe. Your, what you contribute is always so wholesome and good. And thank you for being here each, each week, um, each episode. And thank you for being our guest today. Um, just before I hand back to Colm, I do have time for one more question. If anybody would like to raise their hand to ask James direct a question, um, don't be shy. Pop that finger up in the air. Um, and I think I'm going to go to Tim, is it, for that final question? And then we'll hand back to Colm. Tim, your question for James this morning. Off you go. Thank you, Breeze and Shelley. Um, it's more of a comment than a question, James. It's just, you, you know, when you're listening to somebody who just gets what's important in life. And I think that's one of the big things I've taken from today's show. It's, it's experience, but appreciation for the simple things in life, the most important elements, family, friends, love and adventure. And it's been a real honor listening to your story today, my friend. It's been a real pleasure getting to know you as well. Oh, that's lovely, Tim. Thank you very much. 
And that was just that was just beautiful. Um, greetings, everybody from Inniskin, and happy Thank Happy you. New Year. Thank Lovely, you. just beautiful. What I wanted just want to say as well is um, every day um, it's almost like a new parable that James has. If it's not a photograph of him with his grandchild or out walking, or um, a quote or something, it just the, yeah. it's usually the ripples. I mean, it's like it's a, like a, it's like your daily bread. Yeah. And yeah, you are the good father, not just the Godfather, the good father in every sense of the word. Much. Thanks a million. And I see there um, Brian McCarthy is in the room as well. And Brian said, um, great to see you, James. Your synopsis doesn't do justice to the breadth of contributions you have made. I will be in touch. Fascinating as always. So thanks for that comment there as well, Brian. Really good. Um, and at this point, and like I say, I'm so sorry to those of you that um, I didn't get to share your lovely, lovely comments. Um, Laura has appreciated the wrap up to a Friday morning as well and appreciated the reflections and experience you've brought to us today. So for those I didn't get to share comments, I do sincerely apologise. It's very difficult to keep the thread on it. And I'm delighted at this point to thank, pass you back over to Mr. Colm O'Brien. And from me, thank you so much, James. Thank, thank you. Uh, isn't that lovely? Isn't that lovely? Uh, DQ, thank you for opening up that section beautifully. And uh, yes, come here. I think the Princess Shelley slot is in fact all of our favourite parts in this show apart from our special guests, of course. Um, but look, it's a joy to be back here one more time. Uh, COVID threw us together, and I will forever be grateful to COVID for doing that. Um, so uh, onwards and upwards in 2021. It's been a pleasure uh, having you all here this morning. I want to thank uh, the team, complicated team that we have. I want to thank, thank Princess Shelley <laughs> for producing today's show, Eamon Smith and Tim Kelly for keeping us safe and secure. And, of course, Katrina O'Brien for making this beautiful uh, for onward uh, dissemination to a global audience, uh, which exceeded 4.7 million last week, believe it or not. Uh, it's growing ever uh, all, all the time. Now, you know, there's, there's lies, damn lies, and statistics, right? So let me just qualify that. <laughs> it's, it sits out there. It's sent out every Sunday morning, and we just measure the audience. It's like, it's like TV ratings, and uh, they're not all sitting there on a Sunday morning waiting for the Coffee at 11 show, let me just say that, right? But it's out there. It's floating around, and uh, Dio, touch on your ripples thing. That's what this is about. You know, it's about trusting the ripples. The people who need to hear what we do here will find us, and all we do, our job is just to put it out there. But it's a wonderful pleasure of mine and the team here to get together on a Friday and have the chat over a cup of coffee. I mean, how better? You know, what else would you do like? Anyway, it's been a joy. So thank you, Shell. Thanks, Eamon. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Kat. And uh, thanks, Wigwam, for making this all possible. But finally, last time, James Finnegan, it's been a joy. Namaste. Thank you for the opportunity, Colin. <laughs>